Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Man, it's great to be with you. No college football for us this week, but it's been an eventful week in Starkville. I've worked on a couple things, too. I wanted to share some information with you guys. So I want you guys, as Boneyard listeners, to be the most well-informed fans in the Mississippi State fan base. So I got some stuff I'm going to share with you. I think it's rather interesting. You know, we have talked at length recently about how prolific Will Rogers has been and how historic his season has been. And I think sometimes, you know, it's like they say familiarity breeds contempt. You know, we're so acutely aware of what's happening here. Sometimes we don't put things in their proper context. And so I spent a little time to put some things together. And I want to I share this with you before we get to some other things. So Will Rogers entered the battle for the Golden Egg sixth in the SEC in passing in single-season records. He was leading the SEC in passing. But he was number six all-time in the history of the SEC for single-season passing yards. After the battle for the Golden Egg, he went to third. And so here is the – let's just say the top six. Let's go from where he was to where he is and where he could be. Joe Burrow in 2019, ridiculous numbers. Probably one of the uh, most lopsided Heisman balloting ever, and with good cause. 5,671 yards in 15 games. That number is probably safe for a while. Well, I mean, let's say Mississippi State, before, before Mike Leach leaves, we uh, end up in Atlanta. Then you could conceive we play 14 games, and he got a real shot. But Joe Burrow, 5,671 yards, 527 pass attempts, 60 touchdowns against just six interceptions. Those are incredible numbers. And I think sometimes, you know, we, it's difficult to experience greatness in the moment. We had it in 2019 with LSU. Now, granted, Joe Burrow was also throwing to a trio of first-round draft picks out there, too. 2020, just a year ago, Mac Jones, the second most prolific passing season in SEC history with 4,500 yards. 
402 attempts, 41 touchdowns against a very ridiculous four interceptions. So these guys basically 10 to 1, touchdowns to interceptions thrown. That'll win you a lot of ball games. And then there's Will Rogers, 4,449 yards. So he needs 51 yards to catch Mac Jones. So assuming he's healthy and plays the entire ball game, that I suspect will be the Liberty Bowl, possibly against Texas Tech. We'll see. That'd be interesting, right? Nice storyline to see Mike Leach get a little revenge against the Red Raiders. So he's not going to catch Joe Burrow. I mean, he'd need over 1,200 yards. That'd be a record, right? But there's no reason to think Will won't put together at least, you know, 60, 70 yards in the first quarter, you'd hope. So he's got a chance to catch Mac Jones and have the second most passing yards in a single season in SEC history. What's interesting, too, is of the 10 top seasons, it's 10 different quarterbacks. So it's like guys develop and mature, and then they have the big year before they leave. Well, Will Rogers is technically a sophomore. He could be a redshirt freshman if he accepts that COVID year. But Will Rogers got a good chance next year to be right back in the top 10. That'd be an incredible accomplishment in itself. So that's just 4,449 yards in just 12 games, 35 touchdowns, eight interceptions. And let's be honest here, and this is not to show shit, throw shade at any of our guys, we don't have any bona fide first-round draft picks at wide receiver. I think we've got some guys that will be in the pros. I think Makai Polk will be drafted next year. But Will has got some guys that are kind of growing up around him. Kyle Trask, last year, 4,283 in 12 games. Of course, he had uh, was kind of beat up some down the stretch. 43 touchdowns against eight interceptions. Let's go back a few years. Tim Couch, how about that? Tim Couch, another disciple of the Air Raid. In 1998, that's a year after Leach left. That's when he left Kentucky to go to Oklahoma. Couch throws for 4,275 yards in 11 games, 553 attempts, 36 touchdowns against 15 picks. So not, not quite as good with ball security. Matter of fact, of the top six passing seasons, Couch threw the most interceptions. And then Johnny Manziel, 2013, that's a year after he won the Heisman. He still finished uh, fifth in the balloting. 4,114 yards, 13 games, 35 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. So you look at Will's numbers, last in touchdowns, third in yards, but interception-wise, right there in the meaty part of the curve, right there in the middle. Now, what's interesting is everybody on this list, with the exception of Will Rogers, a Heisman candidate. Let that sink in for a second. You can say, well, you know, he's a product of the system. So was Tim Couch, who ended up being the number one draft pick in the draft. Johnny Manziel finished fifth that year. Jameis Winston was the winner. Of course, Manziel won it in 2012, the first freshman to ever do so. Of course, Joe Burrow won in 19. In 2000, excuse me, 1998, Tim Couch finished fourth in the balloting. Ricky Williams, your Heisman winner that year. In 2020, Mac Jones finished third. Kyle Trask finished fourth. And then Devontae Smith won the thing from Alabama. Rather interesting. What's also of note is to show you how the game has changed is that the four most prolific passing seasons in the history of our great league have happened in the last three seasons. 
19 was Burrow, 20, you had Mack and Trask, and then this year you got Will Rogers. It has become a forward pass league. Used to be the ground and pound. Used to be you got to play defense. You got to control time of possession. It's a different game. Putting a lot of stresses on defenses this year. It's a different era. But here's the thing I wanted to go back to. All of what you've heard is very valuable information. But what I'm about to share with you, I think, is something that most people have not looked into. So I'm going to share it with you because I was interested. Because when I was kind of comparing Will Rogers' numbers to Joe Burrow, which is the gold standard, right? I mean, right. The, the, the highest uh, passing total in history and then 60 touchdowns. So I was just kind of seeing where Will stood. And one of the things that jumped out to me is that Joe Burrow was sacked a lot, 35 times. To run that down for you, Burrow was sacked 35 times, Mac Jones just 19 times, Will Rogers 30 times, Kyle Trask 20 times, Tim Couch 35 times, Johnny Manziel 21. And so, again, you look at you know Manziel, arguably the most mobile of those quarterbacks, and he was sacked a pretty good percentage. And so, let's, so here's what I did for our exercises today. Obviously, you can't track passing plays called that ended up in a quarterback scramble. So let's take the number of true passing attempts, passes attempted, plus the sacks, and that essentially gives us a pretty rough total of true passing plays, times when the effort was to throw a forward pass. And so when you put the numbers down, Burrow, 562, Mac Jones, just 421, Will Rogers, 660, Kyle Trask, 457, Tim Couch, 588, Johnny Manziel, 450. You can say, well, Steve, that's interesting, but what does that mean? Well, here's the deal. How about the percentage of sacks in true pass attempts? We drop back the pass. How many times do we get sacked? And, of course, there's no way to track when a quarterback gets flushed and runs for positive yardage. And Joe Burrow, a little more athletic, I guess, in some respects, than Will Rogers. Certainly Johnny Manziel. Tim Couch, pretty comparable. But looking at these numbers, you kind of get an idea of how good your pass pro is. And it's not just about the offensive line. Obviously, the running backs are part of that. And so, you know, without being able to go chart every single play of every single season – you can't just say, okay, well, this one was on the quarterback for holding the ball too long. This is a covered sack. This is a blitz we didn't pick up. But the bottom line is all that goes in the same bucket, right? It's all a sack. But the number that jumped out to me was this, is what's the percentage of sacks? How many times are we sacked per 100 attempts when we drop back to fully pass? Well, Joe Burrow actually had the worst number. Joe Burrow was sacked at a much higher rate than all six of the quarterbacks on our list, 6.22%. Mac Jones, playing behind four- and five-star offensive linemen, as is LSU, 4.51%, which was best. Fewest number of sacks allowed. And Mac Jones, not exactly a mobile quarterback, not a dual-threat guy by any stretch, but 4.51%. Will Rogers actually finished second. Second best, fewest number of sacks per 100 passing attempts. He is sacked at 4.54%. And let's bear in mind, too, that he's dropping back to pass. Had nearly 100 more passing attempts 
than Joe Burrow and was sacked five less times. Kyle Trask, 4.75% of the time is a sack. Tim Couch, 5.95%. And Johnny Manziel, dual threat, Johnny Football, was sacked 4.66%. And so, again, there's a lot of combination, combinating factors here. It's the quarterback, obviously, reading the defense, getting the ball out quick. It's receivers getting open. It's your offensive line forming a nice pass pro for you. And then your back's picking up the blitz. And so all those factors kind of come together to make this whole thing move forward. And so I felt it kind of interesting because there have been some times this year that, you know, we have this um, perception. We have a perception of what we think, what we think is really happening. And we don't know what's happening elsewhere. We just get all wound up and say, okay, well, we are awful. We, this is just terrible. But when you look at these numbers, and these are all great teams, right? I mean, these are all winning teams. And, of course, uh, you know, Mac Jones and Joe Burrow, those guys won an Apple championship. Menzel obviously had a big year. Kyle Trask uh, won the SEC East last year. And then your quarterback is getting sacked at a less percentage than everybody but Mac Jones. I just found that interesting, and I thought we would share that and kind of discuss it on today's show because there's all this narrative out there at times, hey, we're not good at this, we're not good at that. But when you look at the fact that when we drop back to pass, we're getting the pass off at a much better rate and avoiding a negative play than some of the better teams in this conference's history. That's pretty interesting, right? I thought you would enjoy that. So feel free to share that around. Again, Will Rogers getting sacked 4.54% of the time. And that's right there with Mac Jones. And again, as I mentioned, you know, Will Rogers isn't throwing uh, to Chase. He isn't throwing uh, to guys that are first-round draft picks. Not throwing to Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner. And again, we're going to get there. You know, I don't know if we're going to get the Heisman winner, but we're going to get there. We're going to continue to add talent at the wide receiver position, and you're seeing that since Leach has been here. Committed a lot more scholarships to that personnel group. So I just thought you would find it interesting. We're going to recruit better linemen. And I say better, better suited for this scheme. You know, we had some guys that were kind of road graders because we were a run-first team, and we're still playing with those guys. So interesting, interesting notes for you guys. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Love those guys, man. You will too. If you hadn't been by recently, I suggest you go. Went the other day. I guess I've been two times in the last three weeks and uh, really have had a good experience. Always do. Three great, great locations to serve you. The, the original right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas and Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. And then a brand new one, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Go by and check that out. Hearing great things about that location. Not surprising at least. My buddy Ian Few running the shop down there. Guy that kind of cut his teeth up here in Starkville. So he knows the Bulldog Burger experience inside and out. Go by, have the spring rolls as your appetizer. My buddy Mike Nemeth has it as his entree. And then, of course, get that chocolate shake to go. I mean, there's a lot of things in life you look at and say, I want to treat myself. Today's a cheat day or today's payday or whatever. And I want to go out and have a nice meal. Go to Bulldog Burger Company. You'll be glad you did. Part of a great family of restaurants that knows exactly what to do. It's not just some fly-by-night operation figuring things out on the fly. These guys understand how to make your dining experience a very, very pleasurable one. 
Visit them online, of course, at eatwithus.com. While you're there, pick up some gift cards for the starving college students in your life. Or maybe perhaps you've got some other people that just deserve a night out. And maybe you're not quite sure what to get them for Christmas. Get them that $100 gift card. Let them go out and enjoy a nice meal on you. That's eatwithus.com. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. Okay, our top story, Malik Heath. I'm going to share with you what I know, what I feel comfortable sharing. For those of you that are unaware, Malik Heath was injured in a car accident here in Starkville. I don't know all the details. I have actually reached out to a couple of people to try to get more details. You know, I was told that basically, from what I understand, it was a two-vehicle accident. Don't know the condition of the other driver. And let's go ahead and be honest with this. Our concern about that individual is just as great as it is for Malik Heath. We just happen to know Malik Heath. We happen to know who he is. He is a public figure because he plays college football at our favorite university. That's not in any way to say that we don't care about the other parties that were involved. And so our sincere hope is that everybody involved in this accident recovers and is made whole and that everybody's doing okay. Absolutely. That's not in any way to diminish the potential loss or injury or anything like that to another party. But we're talking about Malik Heath because we know who Malik Heath is. So I understand he was treated at Octavia County Hospital. They diagnosed his injuries. I'm not going to share those with you because I don't know those for a fact. And quite frankly, it doesn't really matter. Uh, But he was eventually airlifted to Memphis. Also of sort, um, his mother made it to Starkville in time to make the trip to Memphis. And then I understand he had surgery last night and he was recovering. He's expected to make a full recovery. He is done for the season, and I, I suspect probably done football-wise at Mississippi State. A lot of discussion last week that he was planning to go pro after the season, go bet on himself, and uh, probably going to finish up the bowl game and then begin training for the draft. But now, I mean, there's just you know, there's, there's no way he's going to play in a bowl game. We're going to play a bowl game probably in about you know, 25 days or so from now. And so there's just no time for him to recover. And so we will be okay. But the more immediate concern is about Malik Heath and uh, other drivers or passengers that were involved in this accident. And it does appear that he will make a full recovery. Uh, Talked to a couple people that are very close to the family. And one individual spoke directly to Malik and said he's just simply weak at this point uh, and kind of beat up, as you would suspect. And so they're working to kind of get him back into good health. He is in good hands. He is where he needs to be. It is a very unfortunate situation, and again, don't know all the details behind it. Don't know who's going to be ticketed. Don't know all that stuff. Don't know any of that stuff. Don't know whose fault it was. But the bottom line is, at the end of the day, we just want everybody to be made whole. So there's your update on Malik. That's everything that I know that I I believe I can share in confidence with you guys. Uh, Malik Heath, I have known him. I guess he was uh, a freshman at Callaway High School. And a guy that, uh, you know, signed with Mississippi State, had to go to Colin for a couple of years and came back and uh, really began to blossom and, you know, had some moments, you know, when he is really committed to playing football. When he wants to get off the line and catch a football, you're not going to stop him. And so I do think that he is a guy that you know, has NFL talent. We didn't always show here, and I think some of that too was just kind of getting acclimated and kind of learning. And, uh, but, you know, whether he's a football player or not, we don't want any, any person young, old, or middle-aged, to be removed from their circle of friends and influence and things they love to do. So wish Malik a uh, healthy recovery. And again, I I think it is probably 
at this point a certainty that um, he has played his last game in the maroon and white, and unfortunately that will be a loss But um, uh, in the battle for the golden egg. And so hopefully he'll be around and be able to participate, I guess, in some of the bowl festivities. We'll see how things go. Just not exactly sure you know, what to expect. But I do know that he is in good hands and his condition is improving. Very, very scary situation. Yesterday it was like, well, there was a wreck. And, and then as the day wore on and more details began to be made available, it appeared to be a very serious situation. And any situation that requires surgery is a very ser- serious situation. I don't care what kind of shape you're in or, or whatever. When you have to go under anesthesia and be operated on, it is a very significant event. And so, again, wish the best for Malik and everybody else involved in this incident. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever, sorry folks, and also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real life cheat code, saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie, it loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with Smart Money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tecovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tecovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tecovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tecovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovas.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. And hope that everybody uh, is on the mend. 
All right, that wasn't the only story yesterday out of Starkville. We got some news yesterday. I've been preparing you guys for a couple weeks that we're going to have some transfers. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, I didn't think Aaron Brule was going to be one of them. That's a bit of a surprise. I found out yesterday that this was kind of in the wind. And then before the day is over, it's official. He's in a transfer portal. We had the story. We were just kind of waiting for things to go to be finalized, I guess. Because here's the thing, too, and I don't think people fully appreciate this. You know, sometimes guys, and go, they go get information and learn about the transfer portal to get their options or whatever. And then they think on it for a few days before they go in the portal. Or they reconsider. So we don't run to the message boards or Twitter or anything like that and share everything we hear. Because I'll be honest with you, I would say the majority, it, better than 50% of the players that I have heard about that were considering going into the portal didn't go. Now, if we go out and report, you know, that, you know, John Q. Bulldog is rumored to be going into the portal and we put that out there and then he doesn't, it's just not fair to anybody. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to us. And we should always be right in those situations. But it's certainly not fair to the player and their family. They should be able to have these deliberations privately. And so we always err on the side of caution. And we've kind of learned the hard way that, uh, you know, there are some guys out there, too, that uh, may think, hey, this is the best form of action, and then change their minds. And you guys are never none the wiser, which is a good thing. Not everything is for public consumption, especially something as personal as this decision certainly is. Now, the question that everybody had immediately, and uh, I'm still getting Facebook messages about it, and I've just stopped responding. And uh, I would encourage you guys to, if you have questions like that, go ask them on jeanspage.com, number one. I won't, they won't get lost over there. But also, too, that's what, that's what we answer those questions. If you're not a subscriber to Gene's page, uh, you should be. Come over there at jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. You come over there and ask questions. And if I'm not around, you certainly Paul Jones, Robbie Falk, Mike Nemeth, Dave Murray, everybody else can jump in and discuss the matter and share what we know. And so always happy to do that. But everybody wants to know, well, why? Why is Aaron Brule leaving? And so here's what I'll tell you. In the end, the whys don't matter because they all mean the same thing, gone. Now, here's the first thing I'll tell you. It is not an academic issue in any way whatsoever. Aaron Brule was a 2020 All-SEC honor roll student athlete. Guy's a great student. He already has earned his bachelor's degree. He told me uh, last week in passing that uh, was considering – his next step education-wise, that he wasn't exactly sure what he wanted to do yet, knew that he would be enrolled in some graduate program, just wasn't sure yet. And, of course, you know, <laughs> January starts pretty soon. you got to, you know, go through the admissions process and all that sort of stuff. And so, there, you know, there's obviously some things you consider. Now, there are some people that say, well, you know, Brulé had a disappointing year. Yeah, there, he had some moments when he wasn't at his best, but Aaron Brulé is a great football player, a converted safety that uh, had never even rushed the quarterback until last year in 2020. You know, as far as the starter goes, you know, he just had not been in that, that situation. And then he leads all of FBS and quarterback pressures. Even though he didn't have a ton of sacks, he influenced the quarterback and impacted the game. Jed Johnson, Nathaniel Watson, your primary starting linebackers this year, along with Tyrus Wheat. And Jet's been very productive, as Buki Watson has as well. And so Aaron still played a lot. 
There's no, there's no like, oh, you know, well, he wasn't playing much. No, he played a lot. He was fourth on a team in tackles. So for those that are kind of like, ah, oh, it's no big deal. No, it's a big deal. I mean, it is. He had some eligibility left, and we'd like to have had him back next year. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it'll be okay. I mean, I think it will be okay, but it's not an insignificant development. Like some have kind of made it out to be. It's like, well, I kind of get it. You know, I, I don't. And then there are other people that say, well, you guys told us there weren't going to be any difference makers or starters or that sort of stuff. Well, you know, things change. As the guy from the Ikea video says, I'm sorry they didn't run it by you first. You know, we find out yesterday, I got a message yesterday morning that Aaron Brule was considering going in the portal. And so that kind of catches me off guard because I hadn't heard any of that. And again, just a week ago, he's telling me in passing that he's considering his uh, graduate school options. And so there you go. And it wasn't a situation where he was talking about leaving. He planned to be here. But things change. You know, things change. You know, maybe there was an exit interview. Maybe it's like, hey, coach, I got to be the starter next year. Well, I can't promise you that. Okay, well, I got to go somewhere else then. I don't know that to be the fact, but, you know, there's always exit meetings kind of at the end of the year. That's kind of how these things work. Again, I, I don't know for sure why he's leaving, but I can tell you he was not processed out. He was not pushed out of this program. This is his decision and his family's decision, and we're going to respect that decision. And uh, I like Aaron Brule. I shared on Twitter yesterday that um, win or lose – he was always accessible and always respectable to the media, always. And that's not necessarily the same thing negative about anybody else. But there are a lot of you know guys that you can just tell they, really, they don't really want to do media. And sometimes I can't blame them. You go out there and you have a bad ball game and you get beat. The last thing you want to do is go in there and be quoted knowing it's going to be all over you know, SEC and national news. But Aaron Brulé always showed up always answered our questions, always did his best to provide an in-depth answer. Very intelligent young man, and I think an awful lot of him. And so there's the thing yesterday, Glenn Kiffin retweeting it. And, again, it goes back to can't we all just love one another, right? Can't we love our neighbors? I'm not falling for any of that stuff, and you shouldn't either. How many times did Mike Leach tweet out the Ole Miss transfers this past week? When Momo Sinago went in the portal, did Mike Leach retweet that? No. No, he didn't. It's kind of beneath a sitting SEC coach to do that sort of thing. And he's trolling you guys. He's trolling all of us. You can say, well, Steve, you can't sit there and assign motive. Sure I can. And say, well, maybe it's a recruiting-related thing. Well, he can't DM him. I mean, he's in the portal now. You can talk to him. You can legally have contact with him now. You couldn't before. But now that he's in the portal. So all that's just a bit unnecessary. And so everybody panics. Do you think he could go to Ole Miss? Yeah, he could go to Ole Miss. He could. He could go to LSU. He can go to Florida State. He can go anywhere he wants to. Anywhere that he can find a place that's willing to give him a scholarship or he feels comfortable, he can go there. There's nothing to prevent him from transferring within the Southeastern Conference and being immediately eligible. It's just part of life. That's the world in which we live in these days when it comes to college football. Do I think he's going to Ole Miss? No, I don't. Do I think that they'll have interest in him? Probably so. You know, they're, they're a program, too, that's, uh, you know, of course, they're getting absolutely uh, boxed into a corner when it comes to uh, the recruiting cycle right now. But, you know, according to their, their, their recruiting reporters, they're, they're planning to be very, very serious in the transfer portal. You know, they're, they're at the end of a talent cycle. No matter what they will tell you, they're at the end of a talent cycle. They were a very experienced team this year. They had a lot of SEC snaps under their belt. 
So they're going to have to try to go replace some of that. And, of course, they go out and they go get, you know, the great linebacker out of Maryland last year had a big year for them. And so there was some hit or miss. But, they, listen, they got better as a team last year because of some transfers, as we did too with Makai Polk, Jalen Green, Randy Charlton. And so they're going to commit more of their scholarships to the transfer portal. Will they pursue Aaron Brulee? They'd be dumb not to. They'd be dumb not to. If you need linebackers and you've got a guy that's played in the Southeastern Conference that understands how rugged it is and the commitment it's required to play at a high level here, I mean, you'd be foolish not to reach out to him. And he'd be foolish not to listen. I know he hates losing the battle for the golden egg, and so if that's the case, he probably shouldn't go up there because we're winning that thing next year. Uh, but the reality of it is, is he is free to do what he wants to. I have absolutely nothing negative to say about Aaron Brulee. I think that he has been an exemplary student athlete while he has been here at Mississippi State. And I'm very sad that he's leaving. And maybe sad is too strong a word, but I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed that he's leaving. I'm disappointed for us. And I'm disappointed for him too. But, you know, everybody has to make a decision that is best for them. And if this is what he and his family have decided – you know, we have no choice but to respect it. And uh, I am very proud to see that so many people on social media, you know, have responded to Aaron Brulee very favorably and said, you know what, you're always a bulldog, man. Wish you the best. And that's how I feel too. I absolutely do. There's no reason to have any hard feelings. You know, we've had some people in the past that have transferred. And, and to be honest with you, you kind of look at it and you're like, we're better. We're a better football team with this person gone. It's kind of a addition by subtraction. And you've had some people that have come in and, and really, you know, not produced and then and been a distraction to the rest of the team or whatever, not really done the things that they should do to help move our football program. And they leave and you think, okay, good. You don't make a big deal out of it, but that's not the case here. That's not the case at all. Aaron Brule, uh, a guy that uh, people forget, he was committed to the University of Georgia. He was the top outside linebacker prospect on our board. He committed to Georgia. Well, then we took a commitment from a guy named Miles Mason out of Hewitt Trustful High School. And he had some local influence there that was kind of pushing him to Arkansas. We knew it was just a matter of time before he flipped. Because every time he turned around, he had somebody locally bringing him up to Fayetteville, Arkansas. And so he goes up there. And then, ironically, late, Aaron Brulee decommits from Georgia and is available. And we get him. And it was one of those situations where, you know, the flip misgives and the flip mistakes. Well, this time it worked in our favor. Because Mile Mason flipped to Arkansas, we end up getting the guy we wanted all along anyway. And he comes in here as a member of the class of 18, plays in four games, maintains his red shirt, plays in 19, plays in 20, gets a COVID year, plays in 21. You know, so he still has two to play two if he goes somewhere. This is it. Now, with his age, I don't suspect he will. And ironically, Miles Mason ended up transferring from the University of Arkansas. Isn't it funny how it all works out? There's going to be a lot of that. So, again, best of luck to Aaron Brule and his family, and I appreciate his contributions to Mississippi State football. Wish he was still here. Absolutely wish he was still here. And, uh, you know, of course, we've had two linebackers now leave. He and Rodney Gross have left the program. And so we started out looking to sign two linebackers in this class, and now we're certain to sign three and probably four. Because you needed to get two, and, and then Gross opens up a spot. Well, we got to get a guy there. Now Brulee's gone. And so it could be a four-linebacker class when it's all said and done. There's some good ones out there. And we're going to talk some recruiting a little bit later in the show. Let's thank our buddy Blair Chandler. Blair is a great guy, man. This is a guy that I've known for a long time. And he's not just my friend. This is a guy, number one, that knows what he's doing. There are a lot of people out there that, that find their niche in life. 
and they excel. That's Blair. 21 years in the mortgage industry in the top 1% nationally, not just in Rankin County, not in Wiggins, not just in Possum Neck, Mississippi, number one nationally in the top 1%. This is a guy that knows how to get your loan closed. There's not a loan out there, whether it be typical, atypical, maybe you're a non-conforming borrower or whatever, he can find a way. And if he can't, he'll tell you and he'll put you on the right path to kind of help you achieve the dream of home ownership. Maybe you're already a homeowner. Maybe you're a little bit overextended right now with maybe installment or revolving debt. He can get your equity working for you and pay those things down and then give you a chance to consolidate debt and lower your monthly payment. Interest rates are doing great right now, but they're not going to stay low. They're not. Now's a great time to refinance your mortgage. If you've been putting it off, give Blair a call. Find them at closewithblair.com. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we're going to give you a phrase that pays. Right? All you got to do is tell Blair, whether it be by text or email, carrier pigeon, whatever, I heard about you on the Boneyard, and he is going to pay for your appraisal. It's a $500 value. In some markets, up to $600 bucks just by saying, you know what, Blair, here's the secret code, bro. It's Boneyard. And it is. Opens a lot of doors for you. Visit him on his website, closeclosewithblair.com, or give him a call or text today on his personal cell number, 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. Close with Blair, the proud sponsor of the top 10 list. And so I've got a few things lined up, but Roy hit me up yesterday and uh, with a bit of a challenge. And uh, let me look the name up here because I want to give this guy a shout out because he has given us a few ideas in the past. And it's so funny, too, this time of year. Uh, this time of year, I, I have to scroll like three times down the, the phone. This recruiting time of the year, so I get tons of text. But it's our buddy Nick. Our buddy Nick also suggested the Rick Rubin produced list that time. He also talked about the Thanksgiving list. So Rick apparently likes to see me dance a little bit. And so he gives me these challenges. And so I have greatly embraced this challenge. Roy, again, I think I continue to amaze Roy. I got this list done in about 10 minutes. And so here it is. These songs are not going to be ranked in top 10 order. But they are basically bands with the number in them listed 10 through 1. Now, I went with rock. Surprise, surprise, right? So I actually could probably put a couple of these lists together. As I began to work through this, I thought, well, hey, there's this band and that band. I didn't put this one, and there's that, and there's this. Uh, There's one band on here that I don't like. I'm just going to be honest with you, and we get to it, I'll tell you, but you probably already know. I think they're they're in the Nirvana Green Day type deal with me, for sure. But it's, it's a weird time in music. And this band kind of rose to prominence. Some of you guys love them. I do not. I think it is amazing to me that uh, some of these bands get record deals. And I'm sure you feel the same way about some of the bands that I like. But uh, I didn't think this particular band was very good. And uh, I don't see what all the fuss is about. But here we go. Top 10 bands with numbers in their name, 10 through 1. Number 10, one of my favorite bands of all time. We talk about modern rock a lot. I have met Jesse. I have met this band multiple times. Spent a lot of time talking to those guys. Uh, 
after shows. Really like them. They're out of Knoxville, Tennessee. It's a band called Ten Years. If you're unfamiliar with them, you should be. Matter of fact, next week, we're going to do a Ten Years Top Ten list. Number ten song today is Now Is The Time, off the great album Feeding the Wolves. Number nine, and to me, this is the most obvious one on the list. Number nine, Nine Inch Nails. I was very involved with that scene when it first hit, and Nine Inch Nails was unlike anything else I'd heard. Really ushered in the industrial era in rock music. The Pretty Hate Machine album is a classic from start to finish. I think Trent Reznor is a modern-day composer. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2020. The song I went with, I didn't go with Head Like a Hole. I didn't go with Terrible Lie. I went with Wish off the Broken album. I think you'll enjoy that one. It really gets after you. Number eight, the band that I don't like is Blink-182. And uh, the only song that I I can listen to them that doesn't make me want to vomit is uh, All the Small Things. So there you go. Number eight, Blink-182. Ugh, All the Small Things. Number seven, could have gone in a lot of different directions here. Went with Seven, Mary Three. We've never had them on a top ten list. Seven, Mary Three. And I went with their their quintessential single, Cumbersome. I mean, it's almost like Southern Rock in some respects. They were kind of a flash in the pan, I guess, but that's a great song. Number six, another band that you guys like a lot. I've had many of you reach out before when I have mentioned this band on the top ten list, saying, Steve, I haven't listened to them in ages, and it's Eve Six. Eve Six, I went with Promise. Could have gone with Here's to the Night. Could have gone to Inside Out. Went with Promise. One of the cool things about that song, I think it's actually been on the top ten list before. On the video, the lead singer's wearing a rat shirt so that automatically puts him in good company with me number five could go could have gone mc5 could have gone dave clark five nope went maroon five going back to the very beginning i know many of you are adam levine fans and you look at him you say well you know this is a guy that's uh, kind of a clean cut guy then you see all these pictures of him on stage and he's covered in tattoos kind of an undercover guy but it's harder to breathe Love that song. There's, and Maroon 5's got a lot of good ones. They're, they're kind of radio friendly, and so they get played a lot. Maroon 5's harder to breathe. That's number five. Number four, could have gone a lot of directions here too. But I went with one of the best female vocalists at the time. When this song came out, it's like it was everywhere. And I love how they dress. I, I'm sure they still tour. But it's Four Non Blondes, which is a very, very clever name for a band. Four Non Blondes. And, of course, the song What's Up. Number three, could have gone a lot of different directions here. Could have gone Three Dog, three dog Night. Could have done that. Didn't do that. Went with Three Doors Down because I'm a Mississippi guy. Now, we talked about them a while back, and I talked about the great song landing in london if you're unfamiliar with that song you should become familiar with it it is a great song bob seeger sings on there as well and he hadn't lost a thing but i went with be like that that was one of those great songs in the very beginning off the better life album that uh, i got to hear those guys play that live down in brandon at the amphitheater me and the homie sam denton sitting in front row it was great number two 
and again, could have gone in a lot of different directions here. But if you go with the number two, it has to be U2, right? It has to be. Who doesn't like Bono? The guy's a musical genius. And The Edge, the guitar player, what a cool name. But for rock radio, he's an innovative guy. He's, he's not just basically a rhythm player sitting and playing lead. This guy has some very incredible riffs. But I went with Where the Streets Have No Name. A lot of hits in the YouTube catalog. Number one, probably a band you've never heard of. Most of you. But when I began to try to find bands with one in their name, there are not a lot of them. But I really dug this song. And uh, it's kind of uh, pop punk in some respects. It's SR71 right now. So I got the one in with a 71. SR71's right now. She may not be Miss Wright, but she'll do right now. You know, so there you go. That's a great song. I hope you enjoyed the list. A lot of great tracks on this one. And I appreciate Nick reaching out and offering the challenge. He is uh, always very creative. And I think, again, I think Roy always thinks, well, there's no way Steve can do this. He didn't think I could pull the Thanksgiving thing together. He was wrong. He didn't think I could pull this together. He was wrong. Did it in like 10 minutes. And again, I probably could have put together a couple of these lists because there's a lot of cool bands out there. So I really like the list. I think you'll enjoy it. Maybe you skip over all the small things, uh, but the rest of it is great. Some huge, huge songs. And again, next week we're going to do a, top, a 10 years top 10 list. May do it Monday. We'll see. And one of the things that I always share with you guys too is I like turning you guys on to new music. And I have so many people that reach out and say, Steve, I had never heard that band. I love it. We got a lot of positive feedback for the Five Finger Death Punch list. People are like, man, what a killer name for a band. I'd never heard of them. And then all of a sudden you put it on and then they melt your face. It's great. And again, I wasn't a Five Finger fan in the beginning. They kind of won me over. And uh, Ivan Moody, uh, here's a little bonus song for you too. For you country music fans that say we never do country, I really like Corey Marks. He is a country music singer out of uh, Canada. I haven't listened to the new album in its entirety yet, but the first album is outstanding. I mean, outstanding. And there's a song on there with Travis Tritt and Ivan Moody that Mig Mars from Motley Crue plays a guitar solo on. It's called Outlaws and Outsiders. I've mentioned that on the show before. I love the song, and uh, I think Ivan Moody does a great job from Five Finger on, on the track, too. Travis Tritt, of course, a good job. The video is a lot of fun, too. So go check that out on YouTube if you're like me and you always have music playing in the background. That's a good track to listen to. So if you have ideas for the top ten list, reach out let me know. I'm happy to talk about them on the show. We might just use your idea. Roy is always um, fascinated with what you guys suggest. You know, sometimes it's a band, and we get a lot of repeats. Uh, I, I got a message last night. I want to share this with you, too. If I can remember who sent it, I'll do my best to remember here. Let me see if I can't find it for you guys. I apologize, I can't find it. But uh, we had a one of our, our servicemen that was stationed over in Syria. I said, hey, Steve, I love a top 10 list and uh, might have missed some. You know, couldn't always download the show overseas. But uh, what about Southern Rock? So I'm going to probably do something for that gentleman next week. So we'll get back to some Southern Rock. So excited about that. But uh, the main reason I brought that up is, number one, the Boneyard, I'm very, very pleased. There's so many people that reach out and say they live either, you know, outside of the southeast or Mississippi or they live across the country or perhaps they live in another country 
and they're able to download the show and they say, you know, it's nice to have a little bit of home. And I take that responsibility very seriously. There are many of you that whether you work in the oil field or in the military or whatever, and it requires you to leave our great nation. And um, it's nice to be able to allow you to reconnect a little bit. And uh, I have such respect for our servicemen and women that volunteer to protect our freedoms. It is not something that I ever take for granted because it's a life that I would never choose for myself. And I have such respect for those that do. So you know what? This is what I'm going to do. This is how passionately I feel about this. And I'm going to go out there and I'm going to defend our great nation. And so my hat is off to you, literally and figuratively. I think so much of them. And let me, let me also, while I'm uh, kind of in my feelings a little bit, let me tell you guys this. I am so grateful to have come from an ag family. It means so much to me. The value system is something that I hold near and dear to my heart. And you look at me and say, well, I think I know how that guy lives and votes, and you're wrong. But the reality of it is, you know, my dad grew up on a dairy farm in Jones County, Mississippi. So I have a true appreciation for the American farmer. And when I'm riding across our wonderful state, and I'll drive through the Mississippi Delta, and I see all that farmland out there, and I see you guys out there working, whether it be you're driving a tractor or harvesting your crops or uh, crop dusting or whatever, I just think to myself, you know, this, these people here are providing food for my family. They're helping keep this nation great. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter who's in the White House and that kind of stuff. I'm not going to get political with you guys, too. But the American spirit is something that never dies. And our American farmers are a huge part of that. They're a huge part of what makes America great. And I don't know that I would have ever, ever chose farming as an occupation either. But I respect those that did. And there are so many people out there. And if you can find the Paul Harvey uh, video on YouTube, and it's out there about the a tribute to the American farmer, it'll get, to, it'll get next to you, man. It really will. You know, my dad, when he, was, uh, when he left home, he went to Jones County Junior College and then finished up at Mississippi State, lived in marital housing, uh, worked on the work-study program at the dairy, got a degree in ag economics and a minor in animal husbandry. And he spent his lifetime as an advocate for the American farmer. And there are so many of you out there that I know that do so much, and it's a thankless job. There are a few people out there, hey, you know what, hey, thanks for what you do. So there are a lot of people that come to me and say, hey, Steve, thanks for everything you do. So to each of you that is part of a military family or a farming family, on behalf of me, and for perhaps, you know, a grateful nation that it sometimes forgets your contributions, thank you. Thank you for what you do. We all have a role in all of this. And, you know, I try to use my talents for good and to promote Mississippi State University and keep you guys informed. But your job is so much more important than mine. And uh, I want you to know how much I appreciate each and every one of you. All right, now it's time for a little more stuff. Let's talk some basketball stuff. This segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark. Love those folks, too. Stan and Mammoth, Kathy Brown, lovely, talented Susie, Cheyenne, Candy, everybody down there, they're pros, man. They love you. They love Mississippi State. They're going to have some great Mississippi State merchandise available for you. And we're 22 days away from Christmas. So maybe you've panicked a little bit when you heard that and you're behind on your shopping. So maybe spend some time this weekend while you're preparing for the SEC championship game that I expect Georgia to win. 
and maybe go to campusbookmart.net and do some online shopping. Everybody in your family will appreciate having some fresh Mississippi State merchandise. That is always a win. Always a win when you buy for your family. When you get Mississippi State merchandise, nobody's ever disappointed. You've never seen anybody that said, oh, I got this new Mississippi State shirt and I hate it. No, no, that never happens. We're proud to wear the M over S. We're proud to wear the maroon and white. So visit them, campusbookmart.net, and by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll save you a little money. Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Get yourself something while you're there, because you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen, and you're too polite to say anything because you were raised right. You're going to get some gifts this Christmas season that are going to be like, you know what, socks again. Oh, they got me another tie. You know, and, and it's thoughtful. It is. But in your heart, you know you wanted that Mississippi State merch. So go ahead and take care of that. Make a preemptive Christmas buy for yourself. While you're buying for everybody else, maybe get something for yourself and kind of tuck it away. You know what? You don't have to even wrap it and put it on the tree. You can go ahead and wear it today, part of your Christmas. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. Okay, since we were together, Mississippi State University picked up a pair of intercollegiate college basketball wins, one on the men's side and the women's side. We'll start with the women's first. Ladies go first, but they also played earlier in the week. On Wednesday, they take down McNeese State in a game that really was not competitive. We expected it to be a chance for us to stretch our legs a little bit. We absolutely did. A 102-55 final, and State dominated from start to finish. A 32-9 lead after just one quarter. And then that lead just absolutely exploded in the second quarter, uh, a 24-8 quarter there. See, so what are you looking at there? 56-17 to 17 at the break. And then they just kind of rolled from there. In the second half, of course, State kind of takes their foot off the gas. So, uh, but again, you know, State wins a game they should have won. And listen, you know, these guys are – these ladies, excuse me, they're playing well. Playing well. I mean, I think, you know, again, we're not going to be able to judge them until we get into SEC play. But – in games that we're expected to win big, we win big. In games that are expected to be competitive, we compete. Rakia Jackson, a huge night for us. 28 minutes, 18 of 26. We talked about being a volume shooter. She absolutely was, and we need her to shoot. One of three from the from three-point line, three of five from the free throw line. Pulls down nine rebounds, one turnover, no personal fouls, 40 points. That's right, 40 points. Anastasia Hayes pitches in 15. Jaquelia Jordan with 12. We get 11 from Danae Carter off the bench. It was just one of those nights when uh, things were kind of rolling and Rakia Jackson uh, leading this team. And, of course, there are some teams that will play. They'll have some athleticism to really be out to defend her. But we're going to kind of go as she goes. Need her to be healthy and, and do a good job for us. And, again, 102. Mississippi State, 45 of 87 from the floor, and just 5 of 16 from the three-point line, and at 50% from free throws. Both of those numbers have to get better. Rebounding, not close uh, for the most part. You know, it's one of those things when State, when State decides we're going to get after you, even without Jessica Carter, and let me just show that with you too, we don't expect her back. You know, there's, there's just a lot of hurdles she has to climb. We don't expect her back. Uh, 72 points in the paint for Mississippi State, 29 points off turnovers, 18 second-chance points. We do a good job uh, rebounding there, 21 off the fast break and 21 from the bench. Mississippi State led throughout. At no point did Big Knee State have a lead or any hope in this ballgame. Looking at the ladies' schedule, 
uh, that you know it's going to be. We're about to get really serious for the six and one Lady Bulldogs. Pretty big ball game this weekend against Oklahoma. That's at Oklahoma as part of the Big Twelve SEC Challenge. That game is a two p.m. tip from Norman, Oklahoma, uh, on tomorrow, and then we get a week off before things really get serious. We get a week off after that and uh, won't be back in action until a week from Sunday. So if you're looking to get involved with uh, women's hoops, you're going to have plenty of chances to watch uh, here in the later part of December where we'll play four games in the better part of two weeks uh, from December 12th to December 20th before we head into SEC play. uh, Four games scheduled, and you would expect State to win all four of those. So should have a good non-conference record heading into SEC play. You know, Oklahoma, that's – Playing on their floor, playing a Power 5 team on their floor is always a real challenge. So even if we lose that, you got a chance to be 10-2 and two heading into SEC play. And I don't know how good the league's going to be this year. We know South Carolina's going to be great. Kentucky's pretty good, too. And so it's just a different day and time in women's hoops. But, um, you know, Doug Novak has the ladies playing pretty well. And offensively, I think we're a much better team than we were a season ago. I think we all would, would acknowledge that and appreciate the fact that this team has improved. Now, a lot of that's got to do with the transfers, but, you know, Rakia Jackson's still the centerpiece of things and uh, excited to see her really kind of realize her potential and, and do a nice job. Okay, on the men's side, probably a much closer ball game than many anticipated. Uh, Lamar University entered a game one and six, but I told you guys they had played better as of late. They were in this thing, but never truly in this thing. They were always within striking distance but couldn't really make up any difference. Stayed a 38-30 leader at the break and then 37-30 in the second half, so a final of 75-60. to uh, Tolu Smith said in a postgame that uh, he thought that his first half was the worst half he had played since he had been at Mississippi State and uh, said that Ben Howen really got on him at half, and then Ben, ben said he encouraged him. Um, but nevertheless, it worked. And uh, totally a much better effort there in the second half. And that's, you know, that's when Mississippi State is playing well down low and not in foul trouble, we're going to be difficult to beat. Iverson Molinar, your leading scorer with 17 points. Tolu with 14. He had the four personal fouls, and that was kind of part of the issue uh, with his night, is, you know, that he just kind of got out of position and got some fouls he probably shouldn't have. He pulls down a team-high 11 rebounds. Garrison Brooks with a nice night, nearly a double-double for him. Nine rebounds, 10 points on the night, three of eight from the floor, but four of four from the line. That's big. Stayed 18 of 27 as a team from the free-throw line. Uh, Shaquille Moore, who has been a bit of a catalyst for us as of late, seven points for him. Arguably the coming-out party for Rocket Watts, who had 15 points, which was second among Bulldog scorers. 14 minutes of action, and that's pretty good return on the investment, getting a point per minute. Six of eight from the field, three of four from a three-point line. Pulled down to one rebound, had a personal foul, one turnover, and one steal. We talked about depth on this team. There is depth, probably the most depth since Ben Howland has been here. And it's not just the fact that we have stars. We have guys that can play. We have guys that can rotate. We have guys that can sub. And so I think as a result, this is going to be a very good team. I think we have a chance to be a very good team this year. Still expecting to be a tournament team, and I think they're showing signs of that now, even though the game was a little bit closer than probably it should have been. Uh, but everybody, you know, sometimes records can be deceptive, and that's not to say that we beat a great team, but they have been playing better as of late. Mississippi State, 25 of 54 from the floor for 46.3%. That'll usually win. 
Three-point percentage was better, thanks in large part to Rocky Watts, 38.9%. Still 67% from the free throw line. That has got to get better. Stay with 32 points in the paint, 10 points off turnover, 16 second-chance points, 13 fast breaks, 22 from the bench. The game was tied just once, and State led pretty much throughout the ballgame. So looking at the men's side of things, uh, this is, again, you have a chance to see the Bulldogs on Sunday at a 1 p.m. tip. That's going to be broadcast on ESPNU. So if you can't make it to town, you will be able to watch the uh, Hardwood Bulldogs on ESPNU. And uh, we're going to be there here the next couple of weeks too, a a couple times. But um, there will be some SEC play just around the corner, as you guys are well aware. And and let me just kind of let you play out this non-conference schedule. You know, we have uh, Minnesota, of course, that's a power five opponent on our home floor. And just as we said for the ladies, it's a challenge to go play on somebody else's floor. It's difficult to put that dark jersey on and go get a W. Then we'll play Colorado State next Saturday. So it's finals week next week, so not much to cheer for uh, if you're Mississippi State, just because of the fact that uh, not a lot of games being played. And, of course, you need to be over at Gene's page keeping up with all the recruiting happenings. Uh, Colorado State, that'll be a December 11th game in Fort Worth, Texas. So all of you Dallas dogs have a chance to get out and go watch us play in the Basketball Hall of Fame Classic. That's also broadcast on ESPNU. We're going to have some SEC Network Plus games here to kind of close out the non-conference. Georgia State and Starkville on the 14th. Furman that Friday, also an SEC Network game. Um, And then Winthrop, there is no TV for that game. That's going to be in Jackson, Mississippi. We always get that Christmas break game in Jackson. It's Winthrop this year at the Mississippi Coliseum. Encourage those of you in central Mississippi to go out and support the Bulldogs. Uh, Should be on Christmas break then anyway. And even if it is a school night for you, it's a 6 p.m. tip. No reason you couldn't get home at a reasonable hour. And next thing you know, we're in SEC play. And so you look at the fact the Bulldogs are now 6-1, Similarly, similarly situated to the women, should be a double-digit win team by the time we get into conference play. A couple of nice challenges coming up, though, for sure. Be sure and, and, uh, and get out and support the Bulldogs. And, uh, you know, pretty early on, we're going to get tested right out of the gate. We get Arkansas, who is expected to be a pretty solid SEC team. That's also going to be the SEC opener in Starkville. That's an 8 p.m. tip on a Wednesday. And for those of you that can't make the trip then, it's going to be a uh, – SEC network game. Plenty of tickets available. I want to share with you guys, too, you know, the the renovations for Humphrey Coliseum are going to continue. A lot of people worried about that. And I understand that uh, there has been some considerable amount of money raised uh, to renovate Humphrey Coliseum. Now, that's not to say that John Cohen will turn your money down. If you would like to contribute to that or be a part of that process, you certainly can be. And, of course, there's never any shortage of projects on the Mississippi State campus that um, need to get taken care of. You know, we, we are trying, we're a growing program in many respects and, uh, and not really playing catch up anymore, but we're, we're kind of trying to maintain pace. And there are some things within our athletic facilities that need to be upgraded. And let's, let's be all, I'll be honest, as much as we love the hump and the nostalgia of the hump, it has gotten very antiquated. So we've got to get that done. That's all moving forward. I know you're excited to hear that. And my hope is it helps attendance, you know, but attendance this year has been much better than in recent years. You know, last year, of course, was the COVID year, so there were some restrictions. But for those of you that are turning out and coming out to support the men and ladies, uh, thank you for that. I know they appreciate it. Uh, because when the hump is rocking, it is a very, very, very difficult place to play. And as always, let me tip my cap to our Mississippi State students who are the lifeblood of the atmosphere at all of our athletic events and thank them for their contributions. And uh, those guys can get really, really rowdy 
during a ball game, and we certainly need them to be. Not over the top. You can be exuberant without being obnoxious. But look forward to, uh, to a big season. Really, do. I, th- I think it's going to be a really good year for the men. And the women, too, it's like you see some, some semblance of progress. You know, a lot of people thought, oh, my gosh, you know, we changed coaches and everything else. And I think, again, it's a tribute to Doug Novak. And the ladies themselves say, you know what, she's gone. We're going to play well anyway. You know what, we're going to get out here and compete. We're going to do what we can uh, to, to salvage something from this season. And I think everybody involved with Mississippi State would probably say, you know what, we're off to a good start. We are off to a good start. And it's not like we beat McNeese State by five. We absolutely dominated them as an SEC team should. All right, time for the final segment of the show, brought to you by Portico. We're going to talk some recruiting. I told you guys before, if I was moving, if I was moving to Starkville now, I would move to Portico just because of the proximity to campus. 1.1 miles away. Easy access, 25, 12, 82. Very easy to kind of get where you want to go in Starkville without having to face, you know, the many traffic lights on 12. And it's kind of first world problems. I mean, we have it great here. We don't have a lot of traffic problems here, but there are times it's difficult to get to Walmart. That's why there's a great neighborhood market right near your neighborhood if you move into Portico. Very easy to get to. You take that turn off of 82 on a 12, the very first right, will take you to Portico. You get a two-bedroom up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. If you're looking to move now, I'm sorry, phase one is completely gone. Phase two, you can pick out your house plans. You can pick out your lot. There's already been a handful of those already claimed and sold and so they're going to be some of my new neighbors and i'm excited about that excited for you guys to get here whether it be a ball game retreat for you a vacation home perhaps your primary residence portico has a place for you give our friend brooks Bryan a call a young man that uh, has worn the maroon and white for the diamond dogs committed to mississippi state committed to making starkville a better place to be and uh, you can give him a call at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Make Portico your next move. All right, so we're going to spend the balance of the show talking recruiting because that's kind of where we are. 12 days away from National Signing Day. 12 days away from the December signees signing. Not everybody's going to sign. The overwhelming majority will. Mississippi State will host or is expected to host 13 official visitors this weekend. Let's run down the list for you. Some of these guys are already committed to Mississippi State, but there's some priority targets at some positions of need that will be here as well. And we're going to have full updates throughout the weekend uh, as players exit their official visits. And uh, excited about that. This is a very exciting time of year because the class really begins to take shape. There's always some drama, always. Good, bad, and indifferent. There's always some. So, Mississippi State commitment, Trent Singleton of Raymond High School coming in. When Trent committed, he took his time to commit. And once he committed, he goes, hey, this is it. Committed on, his, I think, the anniversary of his grandmother's passing or his birthday or her birthday. But it was clearly an important day to him. I think it also shows what family means to him. He was a guy that had a lot of options and uh, wanted to stay closer to home. Expected to play safety at Mississippi State. There was some talk early on about him playing corner. I think he's going to actually outgrow that position. Not that he's not quick twitch enough to play corner, but I think when you give Tyson Brown a year or two to work with him, I think he's going to be a little bit too beefy to play corner. I think he's absolutely going to play safety. And he's a guy that's played some at quarterback, too, because he is so athletic. And I think that experience, too, will help him see the field better at safety. 
I like the commitment. I liked it when we took him, and he has not done anything along the way to upset the apple cart. He has been true maroon from the beginning of his commitment phase of his recruitment. He has worked and talked to other players about joining the class at Mississippi State. And I think he is a young man that you're going to be awfully proud of wearing the maroon and white. One of my favorite guys in the state of Mississippi for this year, and because he committed early, he's kind of lost his hype a little bit. You know, it's like people are like, you know, if he was an uncommitted player right now, everybody in the state of Mississippi would be talking about, oh, my gosh, who's going to get this kid? Khalid Moore, a Popperville High School, down around my old stomping grounds, linebacker, uh, arguably the best linebacker in the state. And you've got some really good ones this year, right? And that's one of the things, too, with us having a position of need linebacker, it's good that we don't have to really get out of our out of our natural recruiting footprint to find quality prospects. But Khalid Moore from Powerful High School is a very violent tackler. This is a guy that understands the job one of a defensive player is to go get the football. He's played against Columbia High School twice this year, played last week in the South State Championship, and this is a guy that is a difference maker on defense. And, yes, it's the high school level, but he is a guy, too, that just simply competes. He is another guy that committed very, very early. Many others were surprised. I was not. And the reason that I was not is because I have obviously have some connections down there. But I've been told that he, he didn't want to prolong the process. He really liked Mississippi State. He really liked our scheme. Came up with his family, toured the campus of their own volition, it was, that's, that's one of the things you always look at. We talk about, you know, following actions rather than words. He and his family drove to Starkville. The dead period was here. He couldn't even see the facilities, couldn't talk to coaches. He came up here, walked around, got a feel for the place, committed, and has never wavered. An outstanding football player, and I think will be a key part of your defensive unit moving forward. He will be here this weekend. Another Mississippi State commitment that committed very early, and a guy that I had a chance to see in person this spring – at a seven-on-seven tournament, is Janoris Hobson of Horn Lake High School. It's not a great year for receiver in the state of Mississippi, but Mississippi State's got one of the best ones. Larry Simmons is a very good one, uh, headed to Ole Miss, and Janoris Hobson headed to Mississippi State. Now, Horn Lake High School has not necessarily been Mississippi State friendly. Now, they've had some prospects in recent years, but they have begun to really produce SEC quality players. Of course, N'Kobe Dean played there, won a state championship. Uh, Radar Jones, who's down at LSU. And so you are beginning to see Horn Lake begin to produce SEC caliber prospects with greater regularity. And Janoris Hobson certainly one of those. He has been very strong in Mississippi State throughout the process. When I saw him at the 7-on-7 tournament, all of his 7-on-7 teammates were like, don't let him lie to you, he's going to Mississippi State. Met his dad. They're outstanding people. He has a younger brother in the 2024 class that is going to be as good as Janoris. So it may end up being a two-for-one deal here. You know, of course, uh, his younger brother had to make his own decision. But if he is as good as Janoris, you absolutely have to go get that kid. And uh, I think the fact that that he'll have a brother here and he'll be able to spend a lot of time on our campus and kind of get a feel for what it's like behind the scenes. But uh, Janoris Hobson, an inside receiver for us, real slippery, uh, not a 4-4 guy, probably a high 4-5s guy. But the thing that I like about him is he just kind of takes ownership of the offense. When watching him play in 7-on-7 seven seven play, he wants the football. He wants to be the guy that makes the play. 
And in order to play in a Southeastern Conference, you got to be that guy. He's not just out there running routes, hoping for the best. He kind of commands the offense and demands the football. Marquez Dorch, former Ole Miss commitment, and he was the guy, too, that much of this process I thought would stick. But and here's the deal, too. A lot of people have said, well, you know, you tell them what you want to to get them on campus. And I don't fault Ole Miss for telling Marquez Dorch, hey, you can play wide receiver and then move him to corner. Not with a transfer portal situation the way that it is. Because you're better off letting him go play what he wants somewhere else than taking him and trying to pull a bait and switch and then him going in the portal and then you're short a guy on your roster. And then you got to start all over again. You're better off just taking somebody else that fits your needs. And so I don't fault Ole Miss for being honest with a young man about his projected position. They liked him as a corner. We liked him as a wide receiver. As a result, he's coming here because that's what he wants to play. Marquez Dortch is very, very fleet of foot. If you watch his film, I think you can be incredibly impressed. He is a four-star guy, and uh, I think that he is a guy, too, that uh, his best football is ahead of him. I think you can be excited about what he brings to the table, and that's the thing, too, with this air raid offense. We are recruiting a better brand of wide receiver, and it is beginning to really show in uh, our recruiting rankings and uh, our ability to target players that fit our scheme. Longtime Mississippi State commitment, Don Terry Russell of Provine High School, the younger brother of DeMonte Russell. This seems like a no-brainer to everybody. I can tell you that Ole Miss has tried to make this interesting a couple times. Even as of late, they have been in and uh, tried to get him to take a visit there. I don't foresee any problem there. Of course, DeMonte being here, and DeMonte, people forget DeMonte had that really bad wreck at Christmas, and is really kind of rounding back into form, and we've seen him make some plays this year. I still think his best football is ahead of him. Don Terry, a little bit thinner than DeMonte was coming out of high school, but has great range, great length. He is a guy, too, that I think two years in a college weight room, he'll look like a million dollars. If you see DeMonte these days, that's what you'll see from Don Terry. Probably not quite as big, but similar. Similar build. Don Terry, the best defensive end in the state. He's a great pass rusher. And I think, again, he's a guy, too, that is just really beginning to realize his potential as a prospect. Cornerback Kamari Rogers of Holmes County Central will be here. He is currently committed to Miami. We called that years ago. Years ago. We called that months ago. But the situation in Miami is very, very, very concerning. Now, I've been told the family all had some reservations early on about him going that far away from home. It's difficult to get there to go watch him play. I mean, it is. I mean, I don't care if you've got the money to go or not. I mean, the fact that you've got to go to the East Coast uh, and go down to the tip of Florida, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times a year, uh, that's pretty taxing. Mississippi State has had Rodgers on campus multiple times since his commitment to Miami. He will take an official visit this weekend. The early thought was is that he would visit Ole Miss and Mississippi State. He has backed off that Uh, commitment to visit Ole Miss. Mississippi State, Miami will be the only schools that he visits. Could Mississippi State flip him? We'll see. I think the chances of that are increasing by the day. I think a good visit this weekend uh, will really help matters. Running back A.J. Allen of Neville, Alabama, currently committed to TCU, getting a lot of heat from Alabama too. Alabama already has a couple running backs committed, but I suspect that A.J. is going to make them tell him no before he makes a decision. Now, we already have a running back in the class. And, of course, you know, Dakota uh, could be a guy that gets drafted in, college, in, in, high, in Major League Baseball this summer. So that's a concern, too, you look at. And that's maybe one of the reasons you took Contravian Hargrove last year. 
is to kind of give you some cover for this year. But when you have a quality player like A.J. Allen, uh, it's worth taking a look at. All right, Jackson LaHue of uh, Texas, currently committed to Virginia Tech. Now, Virginia Tech, to their credit in recent years, has done a good job recruiting the state of Texas. You may recall last year, late, state flipped Ken and Boone to Mississippi State from Virginia Tech after a long-term commitment to the Hokies. Now, Justin Fuente is gone. That was the concern last year you know, for Ken and Boone. It's like, well, what if I sign and then the whole staff is gone a year later? Well, that's exactly what has taken place. And so Jackson LaHue kind of in the same situation. Now, here's the thing maybe some of you don't know. Because there has been a coaching change, Virginia Tech can bring him back in for an official visit next weekend if they choose to and if he wants to take that visit. And that's actually a good rule, I think. Like if a kid visits in the summer and all of a sudden you change coaches, you need him to have some face time and go up there and kind of see what's going on. So I think it's a good rule. But we will see how that progresses. He will be at Mississippi State this weekend. He is a massive human being, absolutely massive. And I think that he is a guy that fits the air raid offense. Now, if I'm you, Ken and Boone is his host, right? Ken and Boone flipped from Virginia Tech to Mississippi State. We're trying to pull the same trick here. I'm letting Ken and Boone help me in that respect. Just my decision. That's what I would do. Jaheim Otis of Columbia High School. That's right, the Columbia High School. It's my hometown. Matter of fact, we're going to be playing for a state championship at 11 a.m. tomorrow at M.M. Roberts. I will be there. Mississippi State doing their best to flip Otis from Alabama. Ole Miss in the mix, but here's the reality of it. I know there's a lot of people out there that, uh, you know, you're only as good as your sources, right? Alabama has the lead. Mississippi State chasing Alabama. Ole Miss chasing Mississippi State. But Ole Miss has tried to make it interesting. Lane Kiffin and the crew had their uh, in-home visit earlier this week. Mississippi State down there. Sands Mike Leach. I believe Leach is going in this week. It's going to be over sooner than we realize. Otis will be here. Might actually be a Sunday-Monday visit. He may not make it Saturday. One of the things that I'm told is that if Columbia High School wins the state championship, that he may not show up until Sunday morning at Mississippi State. Because if we win, he wants to celebrate with his teammates. I don't think anybody can begrudge that of him. And then, of course, he heads to the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star practices right after that, after our visit. And then there is what happens next weekend. What happens next weekend? Does he visit Alabama? That doesn't appear to be a certainty. Does he visit Ole Miss? Who knows? But he will be at Mississippi State this weekend. And he is a Mississippi State kid. He absolutely is. He is a uh, down-home South Mississippi kid that likes to hunt and fish, spend time in the woods. Uh, probably, you know, he's a guy, too, Jaden Wiley would get along with. I think Jaheim is a guy, too, that uh, has befriended many of your players. And so, again, I'm not ready to say that I'm expecting him to flip. I will tell you Mississippi State has made this awfully interesting. And if he does flip, I believe it will be to Mississippi State. So we'll see. Like crazy things happen in the final two weeks of the recruiting process, in case you hadn't been around. In case you're new to this movie, it happens regularly. Trevion Williams will be here as well, and uh, he's a guy we expect to be a Bulldog. I think it's just really a matter of time. Does he announce this weekend? Does he announce on signing day? I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. But I feel really confident about Trevion Williams being a Bulldog. Now, he's a guy, too, you may recall, that was committed to Florida State. It's eerily reminiscent of the Charles Cross situation. 
We felt like we were in a good spot. Felt like it was a state Ole Miss battle. I de Bluey commits to Florida State, backs off of that. Mississippi State ultimately gets Charles Cross. I think that Trevion Williams' uh, track will follow that same path. And uh, I think, it, again, it's just a matter of time. Trevion Williams, one of the better players in this state, certainly a four-star kid and a four-star player. But I believe that he could be a difference maker for us. Now, he is a bit of a tweener. So he's not going to be the prototypical defensive end or even you know, inside guy. I don't know if he balloons into a three-tech or not. But he is a guy that I believe plays with his hand on the ground. He has played some linebacker. And I think that's really just about allowing him to use his athleticism in a way that helps the Crystal Springs football team. But he is a phenomenal football player. And I think he'll be a great addition to this team. Also, again, another four-star kid. And State's in a pretty good spot now when you look at the rankings and what's available. If State can close as well as we expect, you got a chance in a top 20 class. Got a chance in a top 20 class. Offensive lineman Trent Ramsey of Carrollwood Day School there in Tampa, Florida. He's a guy that we had really felt like was trending Mississippi State's way. Virginia kind of got in the mix. And then there's the news yesterday that Brocko Mendenhall is stepping down at Virginia, which I think removes Virginia from consideration. Trent had an in-home visit this week with Mississippi State offensive line coach Mason Miller. And he has tried to get up here before, you know, for games. And that's one of the things, too, about, you know, recruiting guys – out of our natural recruiting footprint, when we have all these day kicks, these 11 a.m. kicks, it's almost impossible for a kid from Tampa, Florida, to play a ball game Friday night and then be here Saturday morning. That's the benefit, too, of being a good team playing in primetime, is that guys have a chance to get there and enjoy their weekend with you. So this will really be Trent's first time to see the Mississippi State experience up close and personal. So I believe he's going to be a Bulldog. I think, it's again, it's a matter of time. Does he announce this weekend? Uh, does he announce on signing day? There are a lot of guys, too, since it is so close, might make a private commitment and then a public announcement on signing day. Trent may be one of those. But uh, I believe State is in a good position with him, just need things to go well this weekend. There have been a couple of additions. Wide receiver Amorian Walker of Ponchatoula, Louisiana. That's just outside of Hammond. That's the strawberry capital of South Louisiana. They have the Strawberry Festival there. Ponchatoula is a great place, a suburb of Hammond, if there is such a thing. Been there many times in my life. Committed to Notre Dame. And you'd say, well, Steve, I thought we we're full up on wide receivers. You get a guy of this caliber, wants to come, you take him. Not sure what he wants to do. Does uh, LSU take him? Now that Brian Kelly is in Baton Rouge, does they just kind of shift it and say, hey, listen, you were a perfect fit for offense at Notre Dame. We're going to run the same scheme here at Baton Rouge, and maybe LSU overlooked you the first time. But we're not going to do it this time. So that's something to watch. I don't have a good feel for either of these two new additions to the visiting list because I haven't covered them. Cornerback uh, Kamari Terrell of Shoemaker High School in Texas will also be here. I think ideally what you'd like to see happen is you take you take uh, Kamari Rogers and then get a couple of junior college corners. And next weekend, we're going to have some JUCO prospects on campus. And uh, interestingly enough, Paul Jones breaks some news on a Jeans Page message board last night about DeCarlos Nicholson, former Mississippi State commitment DeCarlos Nicholson, currently committed to Kentucky. There was some talk that he would visit Ole Miss this weekend or perhaps go back to Kentucky for an unofficial visit. And that's a bit of a haul to go to Kentucky on your own dime. 
during the recruiting process. You're already taking his official visit there. Of course, Kentucky would like to keep him, so you're, you're trying to get him back to campus. It's difficult to do at times because people have to pay their own freight. But it appears now that DeCarlos Nicholson is down to Kentucky and Mississippi State, the two schools he's been committed to in this process at some point. He will be here next weekend for his official visit. Says he's not going anywhere this weekend. I know that earlier this week it was a three-team race, Ole Miss, Kentucky, and Mississippi State, and now he chooses not to visit Ole Miss. So that would tell you if he follows through and stays home this weekend that it would likely be a two-team race between Kentucky and Mississippi State. And, again, he is currently committed to to Kentucky, so we'll see what happens next weekend. Now, his teammate and friend, Percy Lewis, that is the priority target right now that I'm probably the most concerned about. And not just, but not to say that DeCarlos Nicholson is not a great player. He absolutely is. But with Charles Cross leaving and Scott Lashley leaving, State has two starting positions available at offensive tackle. Percy Lewis could man one of those. So what, you know, what does that mean? <clears throat> well, Mississippi State returns most of the offense intact with the exception of a couple spots on the offensive line. Still hold not hope that LaQuinson Sharp can get a medical hardship year in return for a, another year of eligibility, but that's far from a given. You've got some younger guys behind him, but we'll see how things progress. But, you know, Percy Lewis is a guy, obviously, that could come in and be the left or right tackle next year, a guy that enroll in January. Now, Mississippi State had a commanding lead. Ole Miss has made this thing very interesting as of late. Lane Kiffin... Uh, Derek Nix and their crew go in this week, had the in-person visit uh, with the dad and the grandfather, and then travel down to Perkinson and have a visit with, uh, with Percy. Now, Mississippi State offensive line coach Mason Miller uh, visited with the family yesterday, and then Lewis expected to be here next weekend. Now, there was some talk about where was he going to visit next weekend? Would he visit Ole Miss or not? Now, that that seems to be in focus. There was talk earlier this week, our David Johnson uh, from our Ole Miss sister site had said that he had planned to take a midweek visit to Ole Miss and then come to Mississippi State next week. Those plans have changed too. Now he will be at Ole Miss this weekend and Mississippi State next weekend. I'm told that they will take both visits in and then have an opportunity to sit down as a family and make a final decision. We may not know until NAFL signing day. It is shaping up for a very eventful close. Now, there's one thing I'm going to prepare you guys for, and I think it's important. Again, while State has some momentum now, and it's been a good week on the recruiting trail, you know, there is still a lot to think about. And, and I will promise you, there will be a disappointment, at least one, between now and signing day. That is just the reality of how the recruiting process works. We're not going to sweep. I've said that each and every show, and there are some people that don't believe me. Even as things have trended in the right direction with a lot of players, things can turn on a dime. There are still, again, 12 days. 12 days. Nine of those are contact days, or eight of those are contact days. So you're going to have a chance to have in-person visits and things like that. There's a lot of ebb and flow late in the process. You know, one of the things you're watching is Cam East. You know, Cam East is a guy that's been committed to Mississippi State for a long time. A long time. Already taken his official visit to Mississippi State. Ole Miss goes in, gets him to take a visit. Then there's talk that he may visit Georgia Tech, may visit uh, Louisville. And then it's like, you know what, hey, he may just go ahead and sign in December and announce in February. Well, of course, if he signs in December, he can't take those trips. Now, he continues to say that he's solid Mississippi State. Now, the concern comes in at that point is if you're really solid Mississippi State, how important is it to take these other couple trips? Because 
over the course of the next four to five years, you're going to get a chance to take a lot of paid trips to a lot of college campuses and play a college football game. These recruiting visits are a lot of fun. People always say, well, you know, well, Steve, I don't understand. Well, here's the deal. Let's not forget what it's like to be 18 years of age. You go to a college campus. You're away from your family more times than not. You go out with your host. You get a chance to go to parties. And there's football players, you know, from watching on TV. There's college girls around. You get uh, a steak dinner. You get a chance to get out there and have some fun, and you don't have to pay for any of it. It's good work if you can get it. I mean, many of us at middle age be like, hey, I'll go. You know, hey, so I get a weekend on a college campus and all this free food, and they're going to drive me around, let me tour the campus and see the facilities, and everybody's going to tell me how great I am. Yeah, where do I sign up? And that's us. So you can only imagine what it's like, you know, for teenagers. And many of these young men, you know, have not had a chance to do anything like this. They've not had a chance to leave their their home base and get out and go and explore a little bit and get really kind of a taste of freedom in many respects. And so there are a lot of people that say, well, you know, if they're truly committed, they shouldn't take visits. And you know what? I agree with that, too. But I also understand it. I also understand. So that's something we're dealing with. But again, I just think it's important to kind of take things in a proper context. Mississippi State is set up for pretty much an epic close right now. Could be, it could be the best close of my career covering Mississippi State football recruiting. That's how good it could be. But again, we're not going to get everybody. And every day you get some positive news here and some positive news there. And we're starting to see a lot of the Ole Miss reporting match what we're hearing and so sometimes you ask yourself, is it really this easy? Is it really are things really going this well? And maybe it's just because of the fact that I have been through this so many times. I know there will be somebody that we want and or expect that picks Ole Miss. Just how it works. Now, I think they're facing a situation where they're going to have a lot of guys that they want. They're going to pick Mississippi State. I do think we have a much better close than them. And of course, they're talking about allocating more grants uh, for transfers. And that didn't help you in the rankings. But it, did, it still helps you as a football team. You know, we, we had that argument last year. Of course, Ole Miss people were like, well, we beat you guys in the rankings. Well, yeah, well, Makai Polk and Jalen Green, those guys didn't give us any star power. They didn't count in the rankings. It'll be the same thing for Ole Miss this year. So it's all this, you know, circle of logic where people are like, well, they're just trying to find a way to make us all feel better about our own classes. But Mississippi State has a chance uh, to close this thing out really, really well. And you can begin to ask yourself, well, what happens if Jahimoto sticks with Alabama? Well, that'd be a very disappointment. And then you take the Dinkins kid from Lake High School, who is expected to visit next week. And we talk about Aaron Brulee moving on, opens up a spot for another linebacker. Well, then you take Avery Sledge out of Forest County AHS. You take him, and I think you feel really good about that. I think that, I think he is a Bernardrick McKinney type. And what I mean by not saying he's going to go to the NFL, but he has that kind of a lot of athleticism, and he's kind of been a hidden gem in the recruiting process. Kind of been a guy that hadn't got a lot of coverage. The guy can really play. Go turn his film on. You'll see what I'm talking about. Look him up on Huddle at Avery Sledge, and you'll be excited about him. So we're going to fill some needs. We're going to sign some players. But understand, it will not be a clean sweep. If it is, it will be unprecedented. The closest thing we ever got to that was back in 15, and that's the Jamal Peters, uh, Leo Lewis, Mark McLaurin uh, class and really the only guy of note that we missed on was uh, Armani Linton, who went to Ole Miss and did next to nothing. So this could be a similar type of year. Of course, we're not going to get Branson Robinson. You know, he's headed to, uh, to Georgia and uh, wish him the absolute best. But 
you got a chance to do something really special. And uh, we have not produced a lot of top 20 classes over the years. So we got a chance to do something that we haven't done in a long time. But also, too, I think it says a lot about the talent that Mike Leach and his staff uh, are about to acquire. Now, before we go, I'm going to go ahead and prepare you guys for this, too. I want to do a kind of a preemptive strike here. With all of these coaching jobs coming open, I don't think Mike Leach is going anywhere. I've asked about it and been told, no, he's fine. You're not looking to leave. That's not to say that your staff is going to be unscathed. We'd love for that to be the case, but there's no guarantee about that. You know, as guys get jobs, it's a very tight-knit fraternity. There's a lot of people out there, of course, that, um, you know, like, hey, this is where you are. We've got a job for you here. You can do the same job for, you know, $25,000, $30,000 more. Well, you take those jobs. You know, and so the reality of it is, you know, the chances of us making it through this bout with the coaching carousel completely unscathed it, are pretty slim. You know, we made it through last year, and I think a lot of it, too, is just because there weren't as many jobs, maybe with connections. You know, it's like, you know, Lincoln Riley's out there at SC. You know, he's a Mike Leach disciple. He runs some of the same fundamentals. Does he reach out? Does he take a guy? Does he interview one of our, our coaches? Possibly. Zach Arnett, obviously a guy that's going to be in demand. I had some people tell me last night that Brian Kelly uh, might take a swing at him at LSU. And so you're going to hear these things, and it's going to be okay. And even if a guy or two leaves, it's going to be okay. So understand that kind of going in. Mike Leach is a CEO type that uh, has a lot of connections. And so if, if and when we do lose somebody, it will be unfortunate. But we will be okay. The culture won't change. The offense won't change. Uh, I suspect the defense wouldn't either. But you're going to hear rumors about coaches interviewing and potentially taking other jobs. You just might as well get ready for it. And then there's going to be all – there's always the Debbie Downers, like the only time there's anything they post on social media or Facebook or on message boards is when something bad happens. We can't keep anybody. That's life and times in college football, man. That's how it works. So understand, prepare yourself – because, and you say, well, Steve, do you know something? Well, maybe. Maybe I do. But the reality of it is, is that the chances of us going back-to-back years without losing somebody, pretty slim. Pretty slim. So just be mindful of that. I'm going to get out of here. I'm headed down to the state championship games. Looking forward to that. Hope you guys have a great weekend. And, uh, yeah, we didn't pick the weekend because Georgia-Alabama. I'm picking Georgia. I think many of you guys are as well. And in the end, I don't think it's going to matter in our bowl standing one way or another. Unless there's just absolute chaos. Unless there's absolute chaos and some major upsets in these uh, conference championship games, I think in the end, I think we're looking at Liberty Bowl. I really do. Now, Texas Bowl is still a possibility. Some other ones, you know, could we get Music City maybe? I think it's pretty certain that we're going to get Liberty Bowl. And uh, who do we play? It's going to be swimming from the Big 12. Is it West Virginia? Is it Texas Tech? Is it somebody else? You know, we'll see. But the bottom line is, beginning of the year, many people didn't think we'd make a bowl game, and here we are. And so kind of first world problems in many respects. Here we are thinking, okay, well, I got to go to another bowl game. You know, it's not the one I wanted, but you know what? Based on the season we had, it's probably the one that we deserve. All right, that's going to do it for today. If you hadn't done so, go to dogpiledebook.com. You can pre-order Dogpile. We'll have it in a few weeks. You know, I can't give you a, you know, a, a firm date yet. It's very frustrating for me. But it's in production. It's absolutely in production. And so no guarantees you get it for Christmas, but it is coming out. It will be here. Okay, and so once I get a firm delivery date, I'll let you know. 
but you can go ahead and put Flim Flam Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs under the tree. Many of you have planned to do that. And if you have ordered those books, they have been shipped. Matter of fact, I just signed a, uh, another batch of those books. You know, I guess three or four dozen of those books here a couple days ago. Many of you asked for personalization and signed copies of those books. You got them. If you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, many of you are Bulldog fans. And you say, you know what, Steve, I don't like poetry, but my wife might. We'll buy some poetry from a Mississippi State guy. You can get that at barnesandnoble.com or uh, Amazon, booksamillion.com, or you can order it through your local bookstore. That's going to do it for today. A reminder, Stark Villains gear. I just wrote a note for myself. I had some other people to hit me up this week on uh, Thursday. Hey, Steve, where do I find the Stark Villains T-shirt you're talking about? Easy enough, starkvillains.com. And you can order T-shirts and hoodies and uh, have those under the tree. Uh, for yourself. That's going to do it for today. We'll see you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.